The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black David Cobbs here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, shame on you. Please knock that out while you're here as well. All right. If you follow the sport of college basketball, even a little, you probably know that Nothing significant has happened in the sport over the past week, but Jerry Palm has posted his first projected bracket for the 2023 NCAA tournament, so I figured we could talk about that. Palm's number one seeds are Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston, and Kentucky. Those are also the teams ranked first, second, third, and fourth in my top 25. So I'm on board with that. Cobb, are you on board with that? Would those four schools also be your number one seeds right now if you were to snap your fingers and turn into a catologist no nah, look I, I gotta go contrarian here i can't just rock with the uh, the group think on this obviously i think gonzaga and north carolina i'm okay with but uh baylor and ucla to me stick out as teams that should be in this conversation and i would put them in there if nothing else just for the sake of debate you look at houston and kentucky i know this is kelvin sampson's you know best recruiting class yet but they lose a lot uh, you look at Kentucky, are we sure that offense is going to be more dynamic? You know, are we sure they're going to be able to get through the SEC uh, with something like a what a you know, 75% winning percentage this next year? I, I'm not convinced of, of, of that. So I think UCLA and Baylor would be two that I would take a, a long, hard look at there. And for, for the sake of this debate, I'm going to put them in there with Gonzaga and North Carolina. UCLA and Baylor are teams um, that I do have ranked high in the top 25 and one. They're both in the top 10, Baylor at seven, UCLA at 10. So obviously nothing crazy about throwing them up to that top line. I I guess I would just say with Houston, they do lose a lot. They get back two injured players. Um, They enroll a five-star. I think they, you know, one of the injured players, Marcus Sasser is going to be a preseason first team All-American. At least he'll be on, on my ballot when you vote on uh, such things. And then it comes down to league affiliation for me. It's why I feel really safe about predicting Gonzaga and Houston, if only because I think they're both legitimately great on paper. 
and so much better than everybody else in in their league. Um, like, I, I, I guess the WCC will probably be a two bid league, but I'm, I you know I wouldn't bet my house on it. Um, I think the AAC will probably be a two bid league, but I wouldn't bet my house on that either. Uh, right now, as it pertains to the AAC, Palm has Houston in, Memphis in as a nine seed. And then Tulane just on the wrong side of the bubble. So I just think Houston and Gonzaga are going to overwhelm their league. Like if I if I if you went combined league losses for Houston Gonzaga at two and a half, would you go over or under that number? Yeah. So Gonzaga, I'd go under. Houston, I might go over. And that's why I'm off on Houston as a number one seed because I feel like there is more opportunity for them to slip up in the AAC than there is for Gonzaga to slip up in the, in the WCC. Not to mention, I just look at those two rosters and I see considerably more that I trust on the Gonzaga roster. And look, you can go back and read or listen. I'm all in on Kelvin Sampson every year, you know, for the last several years, have them ranked preseason number one in the AAC. Actually, I might have to fact, fact check myself on that. I might have had Memphis there one year. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's this is not an insult to the Houston program whatsoever. It's just the the chances to lose games in the AAC, though it's not a difficult league, are are there in a way that they're just not in the WCC. And so I think that creates a situation where you might have a couple of quad three losses if you're Houston just over the course of the season, not because you're a bad team or you, you're not in the mix for a national title. It's just feel like more likely to happen to them than it is to Gonzaga playing you know, these teams that, no disrespect, I think are on the whole less talented than the teams that are in the AAC. I think the Zags and the Cougars are both going to roll through their leagues. Like when I said over under two and a half, I meant combined. Like Houston and Gonzaga combined um, league losses this upcoming season. Like I, I think Gonzaga probably loses somewhere. Houston probably loses somewhere. But I'm not sure either one of them loses more than one league game and i could see both of them i don't think this will happen but i could envision it both of them going um you know undefeated in in, in league play uh, so if i'm if, if you turn it into a conversation about which of palms four number one seeds do you trust the least i'm probably picking between north carolina and kentucky only because they they obviously play in in tougher leagues and there's more opportunities for them to 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 play comparable teams you know, relevant teams and, and, and thus take losses. But, and again, just like you said, I, I think Kentucky is a preseason top five team. I project them as a number one seed, but if you're trying to figure out which one I, I trust the least to actually be there on selection Sunday, it's probably Kentucky. It's got nothing to do with Kentucky as much as it's got to do with the sec. You know, I have six sec teams in the 21, Kentucky at four highest ranked, Arkansas at six, Tennessee at nine, Auburn at 13, Texas A&M at 18, Alabama at 21. And then Florida is also like top 30 at Torvik. In the ACC, you got North Carolina at two, Duke at five, and I don't have anybody else in the top 25 and one from the ACC. Now, I'm not, I'm not insisting that's, that, that's absolutely correct. Virginia should be good. Um, they, I had them ranked at one point. Uh, Miami should be good again. Virginia, Notre Dame, they all look like NCAA tournament teams, but they're all outside of my top 25 and one. Uh, at BartTorvik.com, nine SEC teams in the top 50, only six ACC teams in the top 50. So I'm going to trust Gonzaga, Houston, and then trust North Carolina more than Kentucky if because I think the SEC is going to be really strong. 
Like, I think the SEC is going to be stronger than the ACC this upcoming season. Yeah. So let me briefly make the case for Baylor, because I feel like there might be, and for UCLA for that matter, there might be some people out there thinking like, okay, this is a little bit of a reach. But with Baylor, I just see the critical ingredients that are required for a team to be a number one seed when it's all said and done. Now, this could be a a team with five losses or six losses that's a number one seed, but you can kind of get away with that in the Big 12 where your strength of schedules metrics are going to be so high and you're going to get all these quad one opportunities. And so Baylor, I look at Flagler and, and Cryer. I see veteran guards, which, as we know, is that coveted ingredient in college basketball. The, the bigs are back again, right? Uh, Thamba and, and Chamwa Chachua. I mean, they've been there for like eight years. Uh, so that's a key veteran piece. Then you got uh, Keontae George, who could be a total game changer uh, as a five-star prospect. He tore it up over the summer for them on their international circuit. And then the, the transfers. Of course, you lose Matthew Meyer, but uh, you, you add in Jalen Bridges from West Virginia. You add in Loner from from BYU. So I think that Baylor roster to me looks pretty stacked. And I, I, there's a lot more there that I feel confident about uh, than necessarily with, with, with Houston and probably even with Kentucky for that matter. UCLA might be a little bit of a stretch, but uh, uh, I don't think losing Johnny Juzang is going to be as catastrophic as like you might just expect based off of paper because, you know uh, – if you go and look at the Evan Mia numbers on him, he was like fifth best offensively in terms of efficiency on that team last year, seventh best in terms of defense efficiency. Jalen Clark could be a breakout player for them. And then you add Amari Bailey. Um, I know you would know all about Amari and his family, you know? So uh, yeah, uh, I, I I'm, I'm riding with the, with the Bruins riding with the, with the Baylor bears. I, I enjoy Amari Bailey's family's Instagram. They, they're really, family's great on, on Instagram. I'm with you on Baylor. Listen, I've got them ranked seventh in the top 25 and one. That's not far from a number one seed. I've got them picked to win the Big 12 just ahead of Kansas. And you mentioned that backcourt, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, Keontae George. Like, I don't know that anybody's going to have a better three-guard lineup than that. I think that's probably the best three-guard lineup in the country. And then there's something to be said for your rec record. Like, Baylor has been really good um, for – let's call it three straight three straight years, they've been really, really, really tip-top of the sport. And I don't see any reason why they they, they go the, the tour the other way this upcoming season. Like, you know, most people agree, um, you know, basketball is a guards game and Baylor might have the best guards. If you're just saying, you're going to throw out a three-guard lineup, uh, you know, it's got experience and then it's got, you know, the, the one-and-done lottery pick. Uh, in in Keontae George, I, and 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 so that that yeah, I trust Scott Drew's team to be really, really good again. Um, I'd have them as a two seed right now, but you know if I've got them projected as Big Twelve champs, like the Big Twelve champ is is often going to be in position to get a one seed because that league grades out um, as, as so well relative to 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 the rest of the country. So absolutely, if you want to make the case for Baylor, it's it's not a it's not a hard case to make in the top 25 and one. And this is sort of how I would just project one seeds and two seeds and three seeds right now. My ones would be Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston, Kentucky, just like Palm. My twos would be Duke, Arkansas, Baylor, and Kansas. My threes would be Tennessee, UCLA, Creighton, and Texas. And my fours would be Auburn, TCU, Arizona, and, and Villanova. So you're highlighting Baylor and, and UCLA as possible ones. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I got Baylor as a two, UCLA as a three. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's interesting because 
when I do, I start doing this literally the night of the championship game. And then I adjust as people leave or return that run counter to what I assumed, but point, I don't, I, I don't have access to computer rankings when I'm doing this. It is basically my evaluation of rosters. And then you start looking at some of the computer rankings that are out there now. And it, it largely lines up pretty well. Like I'm higher on some teams than, than, than they are at Bart Torvik and lower on others, but largely the, the teams that I think are going to be great are the teams that you know most people think are going to be great. You know, it's just a look at the roster. What are they bringing back? What are they enrolling? Um, how good will that team be? And so, you know, I don't think you could name a possible one seed that I wouldn't have in the top 10 of the top 25 and one. It doesn't mean when we look up in March, it won't be different. But, you know, as of this moment, you know, on paper, the teams we've referenced are, are basically considered the, the best teams in the country. Yeah. So I, I have an opinion here, and it's I think that the, 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 the GPET should be a widely cited metric in college basketball. That's the Gary Parish eye test. Uh, we talk Torvik, we talk Ken Palm, we talk Evan Mia, we talk all these great uh, statistical analysis uh, brands out there. I think the GPET is right up there with all of them. Uh, the well, Gary I tell, Parish I, eye test. I, I tell you, my eye test stuff is, is really uh, mostly an off-season thing. Once season starts, I'm not ignorant to the numbers. You know, I, I pay attention to them very closely. Um, I'm on Ken Palm all day, every day, barttorvik.com all day, every day. Um, I, I'm not somebody who pushes back on those computer numbers. I'm just saying that when I start putting together a preseason top 25 and one, I don't really have them um, to, to, you know, I'm, I'm sort of just going on, okay, where do these teams, it really is this simple of a process. What was this team this season? What are they bringing back from that team? What are they losing from that team? What are they adding to that team? And when I do that, you know, it, 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 it tends to line up uh, with, with what the computers subsequently say for, for the most part. Um, and, and then once the season starts, sure, you, your eyes have to play a role, but I, I do, I, I rely heavily on the numbers. Like I don't, I, I never will see somebody ranked, you know, sixth at Ken Palm and then go, well, there's no, I, if you're rated that highly with few exceptions, unless your resume is just banged up, um, it, it suggests it suggests that you're good. So I, um, I, I I'm happy to be a part of of the process, the G pet. But uh, I, you know, I, I I've never uh, hid from the fact that I I rely I, I look at numbers all day long. Oh, you're you're one of the best in the biz, and that that's why we should trust your eye. You know, it's a combination of metrics and your eye and your experience. I you know, I, I think it jives well with the brand eye on college basketball, the Gary Parish eye test. There's just some synergy <laughs> there that I think we can tap into. Uh, curious though, uh, what stuck out to you on the four line? I don't know if you've still got Palm pulled up, but do you see anything there that just like kind of jumps off the page to you when you look at I don't Palm's have a, breath? Let let me pull it up real quick. Um, as far as the fours go, you've got Texas, San Diego State, um, TCU, and and Michigan State. I would say when the last time is that TCU was a number four seed in the NCAA tournament. This might be a a never answer. Nineteen eighty-seven. I couldn't believe Mm -hmm. that it had ever actually happened. Nineteen eighty-seven, and they lost in the second round. Uh, that's crazy to me. Not, I'm not saying it can't happen. It could happen. They return almost everybody. 
from that team that played the absolutely wild game with Arizona in the second round. Uh, but man, seeing TCU as a projected number four blew me away because that's a level of expectation on that basketball program that it is not accustomed to or familiar with whatsoever. I would have TCU projected as a four seed right now, given that I have um, them 14th in the top 25 and one. The ones that, um, and then let me see what the other ones were. Uh, Texas, I would have, I got Texas as a three seed right now because I've got them 12th in the top 25 and one. So I'm pretty much in line there. Where I'm a little different, I would have Michigan State as a seven seed right now. And Palm has them as a four. And I would also have San Diego State as a seven seed right now. Palm has them as a four. I will tell you in the spirit of, of transparency, when I, because I, so, I don't, I know other people do this. I just never have. I don't just wake up one day and go, um, you know what? I'm going to change the top 25 and one today. Nothing's happened, but I'm going to change it just because I feel like changing it. I don't do that. Um, but if I were to do that, the one team that when I'm really looking at the roster, what they bring back, what they're adding, all that stuff, track record of success. I, if I'm being honest, the one team I think that I, the one team I wish was in the top 25 and one that isn't in there is San Diego state. So I, this is one where I would say, I think Jerry's a little high on Michigan state as a four, but I think he might be closer to right about San Diego state than I am. That that team brings back a lot from from a quality basketball team. I think th- I think they're going to be good. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think four is high for Michigan State. Uh, I I recently went through and did the big offseason look at their roster, and uh, they, it's going to be an NCAA tournament team. This is Tom Izzo's, I mean, domain here. He just got a lifetime contract, right? Uh, they're going to be fine. It's just I don't see the the talent required. Uh, to be a legitimate national title contender on that roster. I don't see a bad team. I just don't see a a four seed. I think I see a seven or an eight seed likely. Uh, So that's one that kind of stuck out to me as perhaps being a little bit uh, ambitious on on his part. But I don't know what metrics he used. or He certainly doesn't use the G-Pet. I I know that. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I've got Michigan State at the the very bottom of the top 25 on one. That's – largely due to you, you can just trust the Michigan state's gonna, gonna be good, but you know, do they have the talent to actually be top four seed good, which, which equates to top 16 in the country? I'm not sure. Maybe, but uh, you know, I tell you this, if it was called Michigan, something other than Michigan state and the coach was named something other than Tom Izzo, mm-hmm. um, Paul probably wouldn't have them projected as a four. I probably wouldn't have them in the top 25 and one, but when you have such sustained success over a long period of time, um, those are the type of programs that that deserve uh, the benefit of the doubt. It's a, you know, like I used to say about Bo Ryan at Wisconsin. There was a stretch where they like never finished outside of the top four of the Big Ten like for a long period of time, and I had sort of made up my mind. I didn't care, literally didn't care at all what Wisconsin lost or what Wisconsin was bringing back. I, I didn't need to, need to see the roster if Bo Ryan was coaching it. I was going to put them in the preseason uh, top 25 and one because one way or another, they always ended up there or in that range. And I think obviously you can say in a lot of ways, the same thing uh, about Michigan state. The next question I want to ask you is what school do you think Jerry Palms got seated too low in his projected bracket? We'll do that here in a second, but first 
uh, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. I know what team I think Jerry's got seated too low in his first projected bracket for the 2023 NCAA tournament. I'll tell you in a second. First, you tell me yours. Yeah, the one that pops into my mind is Ohio State. And I always end up being like unusually high on Ohio State in the offseason under Chris Holtman. And they end up typically letting me down. Paul Maslam has a 10 seed, though. That feels low. And I think it's a it could be a gut reaction to, wow, they lose E.J. Liddell. Wow, they lose uh, Malachi Branham. Two significant losses in terms of offensive production there. But I actually love what they're bringing in. Uh, Tanner Holden is a guy who I had ranked among my top transfers this offseason. They also bring in Sean McNeil from West Virginia, uh, Isaac Likely from Oklahoma State. So three solid proven Division I players right there, two of them from the power conference level. And then Holden was a, a star at, at Wright State who I think can translate to a higher level. So, you know, you throw those guys in with suing and key and a pretty decent freshman class i mean this ohio state team feels like a team that could end up as a as a six seed uh which you know it's not like a huge difference right but i certainly think the ceiling for ohio state is significantly higher than a 10 seed i have ohio state 24th in the top 25 and one and that equates to a six seed so uh, palm having them at a 10 uh, yes, that would be the 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 biggest example of a team either I'm too high on or he's too low on, um, you know, or, or maybe it meets somewhere in the middle. But I would have Ohio State closer to a six seed uh, than a ten seed. The other one, and it's another Big Ten school, is Michigan. Um, he has Michigan as an eight seed. I have Michigan nineteenth in the top twenty five and one. That equates to a, a five seed. And now you talk about teams that lost a lot. Michigan lost a lot, but they do bring back Hunter Dickinson. Um, that's 18.6 points, 8.6 rebounds per game. Bring back Terrence Williams. He played 15 minutes per game last season. They got a top 15 recruiting class. Transfer from Princeton, Jalen Llewellyn, who averaged 15.7 points, shot 38.6% from three on 5.9 attempts per game last season. Now, I know it's the Ivy League. It's not the Big Ten, but um, you know I believe in shooters, and that, that's a guy who shot a really good percentage on a lot of attempts, high volume shooter. Um, and, and I, I think that'll mostly trans like, I think it'll mostly translate to, to the big 10 level. The guy I'm higher on, I, the best I can tell than anybody else in the country um, is Jed Howard. Um, you know, he's a four-star guy, borderline top 40 guy, according to 24 seven sports. But I, I saw him at the Iverson classic. I mean, I was doing sideline for CBS sports network. It was here. Um, you know, just on the outskirts of Memphis at Bartlett High School. Bartlett, baby, that's my hood. Your your hood's Bartlett. Yeah. Okay. I I used to run around Bartlett every once in a while. <laughs> I didn't grow up in Bartlett, but I I spent time in Bartlett. Yeah, uh, Shouts to Phil Clark, uh, the Bartlett <laughs> athletic director, who is a legendary high school baseball coach at Germantown High and Bartlett High. When I was at the Iverson Classic, it was the first time I'd seen Phil in like. 
I don't know, man, 20 years or something, long time. And so he gave me the tour of all the new facilities. They've invested a lot in that school, and it's, it's really nice. And it's among the reasons that, you know, they have the Iverson Classic there. Um, so I, I got to see Jet up close. He He's big. He's very skilled, like you might imagine a coach's son would be. He won MVP of that game. He was the MVP on the winning team. And and so all of that obviously stood out. I mean, this is a this was a game with you know five-star guys and projected top 10 picks in it. And Jed Howard was, according to the people who vote on such things, the best player there. But what stood out to me more than that is, you know, the the broadcasting crew. So I was on the sideline, and then it was it was uh, Brent Stover and J.R. Smith. And the coaches, like one of the coaches was was Steven Jackson. And every time I would talk to because like JR like came in a few days early and was, you know, playing pickup with these guys and working out with these guys and, and putting them through drills. And, you know, I don't think he came there with a, a not to, I don't know this, but I would assume JR Smith didn't show up at the average classic well aware of, you know, where everybody's ranked in the country. Oh, this is Keontae George. He's a top 10 guy. This is so-and-so he's a top 30 guy. He might have, I just, I don't, I didn't get that impression, but he said this, and every, I mean, every NBA player or former NBA player that I talked to who was there in the gym for multiple days working out with all of the players there said that Jed Howard was the most NBA-ready guy in the building. Like J.R. Smith said it. Um, Steven Jackson said it. And when I, I just thought that was interesting, that they were all – and, you know, Allen Iverson said it, that they were all really high on what they had seen from Jed Howard. So I think he's going to be terrific in his first year at, at Michigan. And if you've got somebody who I think can be one of the best freshmen in the country, plus somebody returning like Hunter Dickinson, and let's let's say that Jalen Llewellyn is 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 a, a notable transfer who whose shooting translates from Princeton to Michigan, I, I think that's a team that can be can be really good. I, I it, it is. It, I do have them higher than than most humans who have ranked teams in the preseason, and I have them higher than they're, you know, uh, ranked at BartTorvik.com. I'm I'm higher on Michigan, but uh, I, I trust them. I think Juwan, I think Juwan Howard's really good. I, I think Hunter Dickinson is like you know it, 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 an experienced, productive, sure thing, going to get big points and rebounds guy in the middle. And then I, I believe Jed Howard's going to outplay his high school ranking, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I respect the GPET. I'm going to disagree, though, <laughs> and just look at the, the, the totality of what they lost. I just think makes it difficult for Michigan to be significantly better this season than it was last season when, look, they end up making the Sweet 16. And so to me, that seems like a reasonable ceiling for a team that's going to be over, overly reliant on some inexperienced players. Uh, anytime you need an Ivy League transfer to hit, to me, yeah. that's like a red flag. <laughs> I mean, no, that, that's know. fair. That's fair. So uh, it's, it's, that's great insight on Howard, though. I, did, I had no idea kind of that that uh, detail on him. That's that's good stuff. And he very well could be, you know, one of the best freshmen in the conference, but they're still going to need other pieces from that roster to step up and complement Hunter Dickinson uh, for them to be a, another second weekend team. 
If you haven't checked out Jerry Palm's bracket yet, you can find it at cbssports.com. We told you about the top of the bracket. If you're interested in the bottom, his last four teams in, Stanford, St. Mary's, West Virginia, Rutgers, and then the first four out, Washington State, Tulane, Middle Tennessee State, and Oklahoma. Again, that bracket is uh, at cbssports.com, and it will obviously be updated um, Sure, uh, again, before the start of the season and then throughout the season. And before you know it, it'll be Selection Sunday and we'll have ourselves a, an actual bracket. Let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. The Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere. You subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify. Leave a review at Apple. Five stars, type some words. More of us than there are of them. And if you haven't, subscribe to the youtube channel yet please knock that out we'll talk to you again real soon till then take care